The ITN Framework, Cost-Effectiveness, and Cause Prioritization by John G. Halstead. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, the ITN Framework, Cost-Effectiveness, and Cause Prioritization, published by John G. Halstead on the Effective Altruism Forum. Writer Review. From reading EA material, one might get the impression that the importance, tractability and neglectedness, ITN, framework is the, one, only, or, two, best way to prioritize causes. For example, in EA Concepts 2 entries on cause prioritization, the ITN framework is put forward as the only or leading way to prioritize causes. Will McCaskill's recent TED Talk leaned heavily on the ITN framework as the way to make cause prioritization decisions. Open Philanthropy Project explicitly prioritizes causes using an informal version of the ITN framework. In this post, I argue that extant versions of the ITN framework are subject to conceptual problems. A new version of the ITN framework, developed here, is preferable to extant versions. Non-ITN cost-effectiveness analysis is, when workable, superior to ITN analysis for the purposes of cause prioritization. This is because marginal cost-effectiveness is what we ultimately care about. If we can estimate the marginal cost-effectiveness of work on a cause without estimating the total scale of a problem or its neglectedness, then we should do that, in order to save time. Marginal cost-effectiveness analysis does not require the assumption of diminishing marginal returns, which may not characterize all problems. ITN analysis may be useful when it is difficult to produce intuitions about the marginal cost-effectiveness of work on a problem. In that case, we can make progress by zooming out and carrying out an ITN analysis. In difficult high-stakes cause prioritization decisions, we have to get into the weeds and consider in-depth the arguments for and against different problems being cost-effective to work on. We cannot bypass this process through simple mechanistic scoring and aggregation of the three ITN factors. For this reason, the EA movement has thus far significantly over-relied on the ITN framework as a way to prioritize causes. For high-stakes cause prioritization decisions, we should move towards in-depth analysis of marginal cost-effectiveness. Update my footnotes didn't transfer from the Google Doc, so I am adding them now. 1. Outlining the ITN framework. Importance, tractability and neglectedness are three factors which are widely held to be correlated with cost-effectiveness. If one cause is more important, tractable and neglected than another, then it is likely to be more cost-effective to work on, on the margin. ITN analyses are meant to be useful when it is difficult to estimate directly the cost-effectiveness of work on different causes. Informal and formal versions of the ITN framework tend to define importance and neglectedness in the same way. As we will see below, they differ on how to define tractability. Importance or scale equals the overall badness of a problem, or correspondingly, how good it would be to solve it. So for example, the importance of malaria is given by the total health burden it imposes, which you could measure in terms of a health or welfare metric like Dalwise. Neglectedness equals the total amount of resources or attention a problem currently receives. So for example, a good proxy for the neglectedness of malaria is the total amount of money that currently goes towards dealing with the disease one. Extant informal definitions of tractability. Tractability is harder to define and harder to quantify than importance and neglectedness. In informal versions of the framework, tractability is sometimes defined in terms of cost-effectiveness. However, this does not make that much sense because, as mentioned, the ITN framework is meant to be most useful when it is difficult to estimate the marginal cost-effectiveness of work on a particular cause. There would be no reason to calculate neglectedness if we already knew tractability, thus defined. 
Other informal versions of the ITN framework often use intuitive definitions such as tractable causes are those in which it is easy to make progress. This definition seems to suggest that tractability is defined as how much of a problem you can solve with a given amount of funding. However, if you knew this, there would be no point in calculating neglectedness, since with importance and tractability alone, you could calculate the marginal cost effectiveness of work on a problem, which is ultimately what we care about. This definition renders the neglectedness part of the analysis unnecessary, or at least suggests that we would only calculate neglectedness as one factor that bears on tractability, rather than as three distinct quantities that can be aggregated and scored. Thus, extant informal versions of the ITN framework have some conceptual difficulties. Extant formal definitions of tractability. 80,000 hours develops a more formal version of the ITN framework which advances a different definition of tractability. Percent of problem solved, percent increase in resources, squared. The terms in the 80k ITN definitions cancel out as follows. Importance equals good done, percent of problem solved. Tractability equals percent of problem solved, percent increase in resources. Neglectedness equals percent increase in resources, extra dollar. Thus, once we have information on importance, tractability and neglectedness, thus defined, then we can produce an estimate of marginal cost effectiveness. The problem with this is, if we can do this, then why would we calculate these three terms separately in the first place? The ITN is supposed to be useful as a heuristic when we lack information on cost effectiveness, but on these definitions, we must already have information on cost effectiveness. On these definitions, there is no reason to calculate neglectedness. To be as clear as possible, on the 80k framework, if we know the ITN estimates, then we know the difference that an additional $1 million, say, will make on solving a problem. So, we do not necessarily have to calculate the neglectedness of a problem in order to prioritize causes. It is important to bear in mind, but easy to forget, that cause prioritization in terms of the ITN criteria thus defined involve judgments about cost effectiveness. For example, all of 80,000 hours cause prioritization rests on judgments about all ITN factors thus defined, and so we must be able to deduce from them marginal cost effectiveness estimates for work on AI, bio-risk, nuclear security and climate change, and so on. An alternative ITN framework. Existing versions of the ITN framework seem to have some conceptual problems. Nevertheless, the ITN framework in some form often seems a useful heuristic. The question therefore is, how should we define tractability in a conceptually coherent way such that the ITN framework remains useful? The research team at Founders Pledge has developed a framework which attempts to meet these criteria. We define tractability in the following way. Tractability equals percent of problem solved per marginal resource. On this definition, neglectedness is just one among many determinants of tractability. Importance and neglectedness can be quantified quite easily, but the other factors, aside from neglectedness, that bear on tractability are harder to quantify. Assuming diminishing returns, the conceptual relationship between the factors can be represented as follows. I can't get the text boxes to show here, they are labels of good done for the y-axis, and resources for the x-axis. The scale importance of a problem is the maximal point that the curve meets on the y-axis, the higher up the y-axis you can go, the better it is. Neglectedness tells you where you are on the x-axis at present. The other factors that bear on tractability tell you the overall shape of the curve. Intractable problems will have flatter curves, such that moving along the x-axis, putting more resources in, doesn't take you far up the y-axis, solve much of the problem. Correspondingly, easily solvable problems will have steep curves. When we are initially evaluating a problem, it is often difficult to know the shape of the returns to resources curve, but easy to calculate how big a problem is and how neglected it is. 
This is why ITN analysis comes into its own when it is difficult to gather information about cost effectiveness. Thus, when we are carrying out ITN analysis in this new format, the process would be. We quantify importance to neglectedness ratios for different problems. We evaluate the other factors, aside from neglectedness, that bear on the tractability of a problem. We make a judgment about whether the differences in tractability could be sufficient to overcome the initial importance neglectedness ranking. For step 1, problems with higher importance neglectedness ratio should be a higher priority, other things equal. That is, we should prefer to work on huge but neglected problems than small crowded ones, other things equal. For step 2, we would have to find a way to abstract from the current neglectedness of different problems cubed. One way to do this would be to try to evaluate the average tractability of two different problems. Another way would be to evaluate the two problems imagining that they were at the same level of neglectedness. When we are assessing tractability, controlling for neglectedness, we would consider factors such as the level of opposition to working on a problem, the strength of the political or economic incentives to solve a problem, the coordination required to solve a problem. For step 3, once we have the information of the other factors, aside from neglectedness, bearing on tractability, we then have to decide how these affect our initial step 1 ranking. One option would be to give problems different very rough scores on tractability perhaps using a checklist of the factors above. Some problems will dominate others in terms of the three ITN criteria, and prioritization will then be straightforward. In more difficult cases, some problems will be highly neglected but much less tractable than others, for example in climate change, nuclear power is much more neglected than renewables but also arguably more unpopular at all levels of neglectedness, or the tractability of work of a problem will be very unclear. In these cases, we have to make judgment calls about whether any of the differences in the other factors bearing on tractability are sufficient to change our initial step 1 ranking. That is, we have to make rough assumptions claims about the shape of the returns curve for different problems. On this version of the framework, it is not possible to mechanistically aggregate ITN scores between problems to produce an overall cause ranking. This version of the ITN framework produces rankings between problems that are quite low resolution, it will often be difficult to know the overall ranking of different causes, analyzed in this way. This is what we should expect from the ITN framework. The ITN framework is useful precisely when it is difficult to have intuitions about cost-effectiveness. The advantage of this version of the framework is that it is more conceptually coherent than extant versions of the framework. The disadvantages of this version of the framework are. It relies on the assumption of diminishing returns, which may not characterize all problems. ITN analysis is in some cases inferior to cost-effectiveness analysis as a cause prioritization tool. To these two points, I now turn. 2. Cost-effectiveness analysis without ITN analysis. We have seen that on some versions of the framework, ITN analyzes necessarily give us the information for a marginal cost-effectiveness estimate. However, it is possible to calculate the marginal cost-effectiveness of work on a cause without carrying out an ITN analysis. There are two main ways in which cost-effectiveness analysis could differ from an ITN analysis. Calculating the size of the whole problem. ITN analysis involves estimating the size of a whole problem. For example, when estimating the importance of malaria, one would quantify the total scale of the problem of malaria in Dow-wise. But if you are doing cost-effectiveness analysis, it would not always be necessary to quantify the total scale of the whole problem. Rather, you could estimate directly how good it is to solve part of a problem with a given amount of resources. Calculating neglectedness. Cost-effectiveness analyses do not necessarily have to calculate the neglectedness of a problem. It is sometimes possible to directly calculate how much good an extra X resources will do, 
which does not necessarily require you to assess how many resources a problem currently receives in total. This is because neglectedness is just one determinant of tractability, understood as percent of problem solved slash dollar, among others, and it may be possible to estimate how tractable a problem is without estimating any one determinant of tractability, whether that be neglectedness, level of political opposition, degree of coordination required, or whatever. Non-ITN cost-effectiveness estimates have two main advantages over ITN analyses. Marginal cost-effectiveness is what we ultimately care about. If we can produce an estimate of that without having to go through the extra steps of quantifying the whole problem or calculating neglectedness, then we should do that, purely to save time. Avoiding theoretical reliance on calculating neglectedness avoids reliance on the assumption of diminishing marginal returns, which may not characterize every problem for. To illustrate the possibility, and advantages, of non-ITN cost-effectiveness analysis, examples follow. Giving what we can on global health. Giving what we can argue that donating to the best global health charities is better than donating domestically. The UK's National Health Service considers it cost-effective to spend up to £20,000, about $25,000, for a single year of healthy life added. By contrast, because of their poverty many developing countries are still plagued by diseases which would cost the developed world comparatively tiny sums to control. For example, GiveWell estimates that the cost per child life saved through inland distribution funded by the Against Malaria Foundation is about $7,500. The NHS would spend this amount to add about four months of healthy life to a patient. This argument uses a cost-effectiveness estimate to argue for focusing on the best global health interventions rather than donating in a high-income country. It is true that giving what we can appeals here to neglectedness as a way to explain why the cost-effectiveness of health spending differs between the UK and the best global poverty charities. But the argument from the direct cost-effectiveness estimate alone is sufficient to get to the conclusion, if the cost-effectiveness of health spending is actually higher in the UK than poor countries, then the point about neglectedness would be moot. This illustrates the relation neglectedness has to cost-effectiveness analysis, and how neglectedness analysis is not always necessary for cause comparisons. Lant Pritchett on Economic Growth. In his paper Alleviating Global Poverty, Labor Mobility, Direct Assistance, and Economic Growth, Lant Pritchett argues that research on, and advocacy for, economic growth is a better bet than direct evidence-based development, for example distributing bed nets, cash transfers and deworming pills. Here he lays out the potential benefits of one form of evidence-based development, the graduation approach. Suppose the impact of the graduation program in Ethiopia was what it was on average for the five countries and generated $1,720 in NPV for each $1,000 invested P25. Thus, one gets a 1.7x return from the graduation approach. Here he lays out the benefits of research and advocacy for growth. The membership of the American Economics Association is about 20,000 and suppose the global total number of economists is twice that and the inclusive cost to someone of an economist per year is $150,000 on average. Then the cost of all economists in the world is about $6 billion. Suppose this was constant for 50 years and hence cost $300 billion to sustain the economics profession from 1960 to 2010. Suppose the only impact of all economists in all these 50 years was to be even a modest part of the many factors that persuaded the Chinese leadership to switch economic strategy and produce $14 trillion in cumulative additional output P24. Even if the total impact of all economists in the world for 50 years was only to increase by 4%, in absolute terms, the probability of the change in course in Chinese policy, it would still have greater expected value than directly funding the graduation approach. Since development economists likely did much more than this, research and advocacy for growth-friendly policies is better than evidence-based development. Pritchett continues. 
For instance, the World Bank's internal expenditures, BB budget, on all of development economics, of which research is just a portion, in FY 2016 was about $50 million. The gains in NPV of GDP from just the Indian 2002 growth acceleration of 2.5 trillion are 50,000 times larger. The losses in NPV from Brazil's 1980 growth deceleration are 150,000 times larger. So even if by doing decades of research on what accelerates growth, or avoids losses, and even if that only has a small chance of success in changing policies this still could have just enormous returns, because the policy or other changes that create growth induces countrywide gains in A, which are, economically, free, and it induces voluntary investments that have no direct fiscal cost, or conversely causes those to disappear P25. This, again, is a way of placing a lower bound on a cost-effectiveness estimate of research and advocacy for growth, as against direct interventions. Trying to bend the reasoning here into an ITN analysis would add unnecessary complexity to Pritchett's argument. This illustrates the advantage of non-ITN cost-effectiveness analysis. Calculating the scale of the benefits of economic growth. What is the total scale of the problem that economic growth is trying to solve? Economic growth can arguably produce arbitrarily large benefits, so should we use a discount rate of some sort? Which one should we use? Etc. We can avoid these questions by focusing on the limited benefits of particular growth episodes a la land. Calculating the neglectedness of economics research. At no point does Pritchett appeal to the neglectedness of research and advocacy for growth relative to evidence-based development. Doing so is unnecessary to get to his conclusion. Bostrom on existential risk. In his paper, Existential Risk Prevention as Global Priority, Nick Bostrom defends the view that reducing existential risk should be a top priority for our civilization, and argues. Even if we give this allegedly lower bound on the cumulative output potential of a technologically mature civilization a mere 1% chance of being correct, we find that the expected value of reducing existential risk by a mere one billionth of one billionth of one percentage point is worth a hundred billion times as much as a billion human lives. One might consequently argue that even the tiniest reduction of existential risk has an expected value greater than that of the definite provision of any ordinary good, such as the direct benefit of saving one billion lives. This is an argument in favor of focusing on existential risk that provides a lower bound cost-effectiveness estimate for the expected value of existential risk reduction. The argument is, plausible work on existential risk is likely to make even very small reductions in X-risk, which will have greater expected value than any action one could plausibly take to improve, for example global poverty or health. Estimating the total neglectedness of the problem of existential risk is unnecessary here. You just have to know the lower bound of how big an effect a state could expect to have on existential risk. That is, you have to know the lower bound of tractability, understood as percent of problem solved slash dollar. Neglectedness is one determinant of tractability, thus defined, and it is not necessary to evaluate all determinants of tractability when evaluating tractability. Matheny on existential risk and asteroid protection. In his Reducing the Risk of Human Extinction, Jason Matheny argues that existential risk reduction has very high expected value, and uses the example of asteroid protection to illustrate this. He concludes that an asteroid detect and deflect system costing $20 billion would produce benefits equivalent to saving a life for $2.50 5. Since this is much lower than what you can get from almost all global poverty and health interventions, asteroid protection is better than global poverty and health. One might add that since that most experts think that work on other problems such as AI, biosecurity and nuclear security is much more cost-effective than asteroid protection, from a long-termist point of view, working on these problems must, per epistemic modesty a fortiori be even better than global poverty and health. 
If there were reliable conversions between the best animal welfare interventions and global poverty and health interventions, then this would also enable us to choose between the causes of existential risk, global poverty and animal welfare. In this case, one does not need to estimate neglectedness because we can already quantify what a particular amount of resources will achieve in reducing the problem of existential risk. 3. Conclusions. In this post, I have argued that extant versions of the ITN framework are subject to conceptual problems. A new version of the ITN framework, developed here, is preferable to extant versions. Non-ITN cost-effectiveness analysis is, when workable, superior to ITN analysis for the purposes of cause prioritization. This is because marginal cost-effectiveness is what we ultimately care about. If we can estimate the marginal cost-effectiveness of work on a cause without estimating the total scale of a problem or its neglectedness, then we should do that, in order to save time. Marginal cost-effectiveness analysis does not require the assumption of diminishing marginal returns, which may not characterize all problems. The ITN framework may be preferable to cost-effectiveness analysis when, at current levels of information, it is difficult to produce intuitions about the effect that a marginal amount of resources will have on a problem. In that case, it may be easier to zoom out and get some lower resolution information on the total scale of a problem and on its neglectedness, and then to try to weigh up the other factors, aside from neglectedness, bearing on tractability. This can be a good way to economize time on cause prioritization decisions. Often, as we have seen, this will sometimes leave us uncertain about which cause is best. This is what we should expect from ITN analysis. We should not expect ITN analysis to resolve all of our difficult cause selection decisions. We can resolve this uncertainty by gathering more information about the factors bearing on the cost-effectiveness of working on a problem. This is difficult work that must go far beyond a simple mechanistic process of quantifying and aggregating three scores. For example, suppose we are deciding how to prioritize global poverty and climate change. This is a high-stakes decision for the EA community, as it could affect the allocation of tens of millions of dollars. While it may be relatively easy to bound the importance and neglectedness of these problems, that still leaves out a lot of information on the other multitudinous factors that bear on how cost-effective these causes are to work on. To really be confident in our choice between these causes, we would have to consider factors including the best way to make progress on global poverty. Should we focus on health or on growth? How do we increase growth? Etc. Etc. What are the indirect effects of growth? Does it make people more tolerant and liberal? To what extent does it increase the discovery of civilization-threatening technologies? Etc. Etc. Plausible estimates of the social cost of carbon. How should we quantify the potential mass migration that could result from extreme climate change? How should we discount future benefits? How rich will people be in 100 years? Etc. Etc. Ways to convert global poverty reduction benefits into climate change reduction benefits. What are the best levers to pull on in climate change? How good would a carbon tax be and how tractable is it? Can renewables take over the electricity supply? Is innovation the way forward? What are the prospects of success for nuclear innovation and enhanced geothermal? Do any non-profits stand a chance of affecting innovation? Does increasing nuclear power lead to weapons proliferation? Etc. Etc. These are all difficult questions, and we need to answer them in order to make reasonable judgments about cause prioritization. We should not expect a simple three-factor aggregation process to solve difficult cause prioritization decisions such as these. The more we look in detail at particular causes, the further we get from low-resolution ITN analysis, and the closer we get to producing a direct marginal cost-effectiveness estimate of work on these problems. To have confidence in our high-stakes cause prioritization decisions, the EA community should move away from ITN analysis, 
and move towards in-depth marginal cost-effectiveness analysis. Thanks to Stefan Schubert and Martijn Cog for helpful comments and suggestions. 1. Plausibly, we should actually consider the total all-time resources that will go to a problem over time, but that is the subject for another post. Squared, for mathematical ease, we can make the denominator 1 here and so calculate the good produced by a doubling of resources from the current level. Cubed, Rob Wiblin The important neglected slash tractable framework needs to be applied with care, 2016. 4. On this, CR Epo, Sasha Cooper, Against Neglectedness, EA Forum, November 2017. Spemer, Is Neglectedness a Strong Predictor of Marginal Impact? EA Forum, November 2018. See also Owen Cotton Barrett The Law of Diminishing Returns, FHI, 2014. 5. For similar, see Piers Millet and Andrew Snyder Beattie, Existential Risk and Cost-Effective Biosecurity, Health Security 15, Number 4, August 1, 2017, 373-83. Thanks for listening to help us out with a nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.